0: Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen into this week's message. This is a new one for me, preaching into a really big and empty room this morning. Uh, Harvest Church, I'm excited to be here with you today, and I'm grateful once again to Pastor Perry for the opportunity. This is not something I take lightly. It's something that um, he has to have trust. This is, this is the, the place that God has given him to be the shepherd of, and so he can't just let anybody in the pulpit. And I'm grateful that he, is, uh, he trusts me enough to be able to bring God's Word to you. He mentioned earlier that uh, this is Martin Luther King Weekend and this weekend uh, we recognize and celebrate the birth of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And he was a, a gospel minister, a preacher, who by his Christian faith was moved to fight for civil rights for African-American people in this country. He fought for equality for all people. He thought that, he thought that uh, what the Constitution said was true, that all men are created equal in the sight of God. And a lot of people love to quote Martin Luther King, Jr. They love to say things that he said and, and, uh, and use, use his words in order to kind of further their own particular causes. But there's one thing that he did say uh, that I think is really important for us today. I'm going to be preaching about unity. One thing Martin Luther King said, he said this. He said, we must learn to live together as brothers, or we will perish together as fools. Abraham Lincoln also said this. He said, "A house divided against itself cannot stand." And you know, as I was doing looking up uh, research for my, my sermon today, this quote keeps getting attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but Abraham Lincoln took it from someone. He took it from Jesus Christ, who in Matthew 12:25 said the same thing, and in Mark 3:25, that a, a kingdom divided against itself will fall, and a house divided against itself cannot stand. 2020 was a year for the books to be sure. Uh, the world went through so much and in America we went through a lot as well from the virus to uh, the killings of unarmed black people with Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd to and it was an election year and so there was just so much contention. There was so much that happened in our world that Divided us as a nation, divided us as a people, divided us as a country. It also had the potential, and I saw this too, to divide us as Christian brothers and sisters. That was one of the saddest things to me, to see Christians fighting amongst each other about these issues that were going on in the world. I believe that God is calling us for 2021 to be one, to be united together in 2021. There are a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about the importance of unity in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the body being made of many parts. And you can read that on your own. I'm not going to preach from there today. And especially when you read it, pay attention to verses 12 through 31. You know, I also realize that... um, (laughs) First, the, the book of Ephesians, where I'm going from, is a really, really long, long chapter. And I'm going to take a moment here to read it. But before I do, I also want to point out—no, uh, we'll not do that first. What we're going to do first is we're going to take a long time right now and just read the entire passage from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, then you should. I want you to turn there with me, and bear with me because this is just kind of a, it's, it can be lengthy. I know that sometimes we can kind of gloss over if people are just reading and droning on, but bear with me today as I read the entirety of Ephesians chapter 4. This is, this is Paul speaking about unity in the body of Christ. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8 says, Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. I'm going to jump ahead to verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is good stuff. Verse 17 continues and says, Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, Paul says Verse 29, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for the use of building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger And clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you God that you are here in this room, that you have been with us throughout worship, and God now I pray that our hearts would be good ground to receive the word that you have for us today. Let it yield a return, some 30, some 40, some 60, some 100-fold. God, be glorified in our midst and help us to examine ourselves, to find out what we need to do to be unified as the body of Christ. Help us to be one in 2021. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people who agreed said, amen. If you wonder why I'm sitting, it's because it says when Jesus read of the scroll, it says he sat. And then he began to teach, and I just feel like I just want to sit today, so be like Jesus, you know. Amen. Unity is extremely important for us today. Let's, have a, let's get a working definition of unity. According to the dictionary, unity is defined as the state of being united or joined as a whole. J. J. Hampton Keithley III put it this way. He said that unity is not a general spirit of friendliness or camaraderie, nor is unity some common aim or series of aims. I really like this. The great theologian Nelson Vega Jr. said this on his social media. He said that unity isn't having the exact same thinking and opinion. True unity is despite our differences. We can find common ground, and that common ground should be Jesus. I like that guy, don't you? Spiritual unity is different. It is a unity that is, first of all, produced by the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we're even able to attain without him. It's not a coalition or an amalgamation It's not just a random collection and conglomeration of parts. No, if it's by the Holy Spirit, it is indeed, in fact, a new creation. Looking at at Ephesians chapter 4, Paul said that he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. He says that we're supposed to walk with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. It's easy for us to not see people that way or to deal with people that way. It's easy to kind of get in our own feelings about what we think everybody else ought to be doing. But why has he called us to walk together like that? Because he wants us to be eager to maintain the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. And depending on whatever passage, whatever version of the Bible you're looking at, if you read it there in verse 3, you'll see that the word spirit is capitalized, and we capitalize the names of God in the Bible. This is the Holy Spirit. When he says the spirit of unity, he's just not talking about some sort of general atmosphere of unity. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The spirit of unity is something that the Holy Spirit does that binds us together in peace. There is one body in verse 4 and one, again, capitalized spirit. This is God's work. This is something that God wants from us. This is something that the Holy Spirit is working to shape his body to be in unity in 2021. Now, contrary to what we may feel like, unity is found in diversity. Now, that doesn't mean, however, that we all should look the same harvest church is a diverse church full of all kinds of people from all ages from all walks of life from all ethnicities all kinds of political persuasions we don't have to look exactly the same we don't even have to be doing the same thing but it's hard for us sometimes because we feel like our thing is the thing We don't always understand, and we we can close ourselves off to being open to getting to hear other people's perspectives or know other people's uh, thoughts and expectations. This false expectation that we all have to look the same is something that we must be cognizant of, and we have to actively fight against that. Now, this is Martin Luther King Weekend, and uh, depending on how you feel politically, many people might be a little nervous at a quote from Malcolm X, actually. But Malcolm had something really good, he said. I don't have this up there, but he said this. He said, ignorance of each other is what has made unity impossible in the past. He says, therefore, we need enlightenment. We need more light about each other. Malcolm continued and said, light creates understanding, and understanding creates love. Love creates patience, and patience creates unity. Once we have more knowledge about each other, We'll stop condemning each other, and we'll be able to bring on a united front. It sounds a lot like what Paul said, that we're supposed to walk in a way that that is is marked with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. It's, It's almost the exact same thing. That's what we have to do. That's how we have to relate to one another. And again, I talked about how The unity is found in diversity. In verse 7 here, it says, Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then in verse 11, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers. In other words, God gave different people different things to focus on. But they are still part of God's body, and they are still useful. In Corinthians, he lists the different parts of the body and how we can't say, you know, because I'm not the foot, I'm not necessary, or because you're the eye, we don't need you. Every part of the body is important, and everything that God has gifted you in is uniquely suited to what you're supposed to be doing. And out here in the world, it can be really easy. Again, we always think that our thing is the thing. And we think that what we're doing is the thing that's the hardest thing and the most important thing. There's an old movie that's called Fame, and it was about uh, a performing arts school. And they had all these different majors, and there was dance, and there was theater, and there was instruments and all this stuff. And, And in the beginning of the movie, as the students were coming in, the teachers were talking to their various students, they all said the same thing. You have chosen the hardest art to do. The dancers, you have chosen the hardest thing. The singers, you have chosen the hard. Everybody thinks that their thing is the hardest thing. We think that we're experts in everybody else's field. How many of you guys become expert Olympic athletes during Olympics? You can tell whose form is off, you can tell who didn't flip right, you can tell who didn't quite stick the landing, and you ain't never, you ain't never flipped a day in your life. But all of a sudden, you know what it was supposed to be on. Oh, that, that was only a 6.7. <laughs> But, he gave each person a different thing. And, and that doesn't only count for things that are, are spiritual. As a matter of fact, everyone is called to something. We talk about our vocation, and that word vocation literally has the word vocal in it. Vocation. Voice. Somebody's vocation is their calling. So ministry calling, as described in verse 11 and in 1st Corinthians, are just as valid and useful to the body as non-ministry callings. The pastor is just as valid as the plumber. Now, it's hard for us maybe sometimes in the natural to see how they connect and how they all work together, but rest assured that they are. As a matter of fact, if you look in the Old Testament, The first time in the whole Bible that we see the Holy Spirit poured out on people, it wasn't for a prophet to do do prophesying or for somebody to do a miracle or to cast out a demon. Obviously, we know that that the Holy Spirit was on people, but the first time that the Bible talks about pouring their spirit out on somebody were for the craftsmen, the people who were making the the fixings and the designs of the, the tabernacle the people who made the utensils for the the sacrifices, excuse me, the people who were fashioning the curtains and the rods, that is who God, the artisans, the craftsmen, the carpenters, those were the people who the Bible first describes as having the Holy Spirit poured out on them, not just the preachers or the teachers. So God gives everybody something to do. That diversity is what makes the body of Christ vibrant. We need unity. Why do we need unity? In verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Why? Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. All of these different gifts that we have, all of these different skills that we've been given by God are used to build up the body of Christ at large. But so often, we can attack people for the way that they're not doing our thing. I'm a person who understands that, for instance, for instance, I understand that human trafficking is a terrible problem. But that is not necessarily the thing that God has called me to go out and deal with and and that's okay. There are other people who got us called to do that. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ Himself didn't do everything for everybody. Jesus fed 5,000 people and He fed 4,000 people, including women and children. But then there came a time when Jesus decided that He was not going to keep feeding the people because He realized that the people were just following Him because of the food he gave. And what happened when he stopped meeting that physical need? Everybody left. And you guys know the story. He turned to the disciples and said, will you leave me also? And what did they say? Where shall we go, Lord? You alone have the words of life. The church, the body of Christ, primary function is not to be a a, a, a instrument for social reform. The primary mission of the church is to be God's representative, Christ's representative in spreading the good news of the gospel. Now, social interaction can come out of that. Again, Dr. Martin Luther King was a preacher who moved by his Christianity, took to fighting for civil rights. But civil rights was not the point of the church. Never has been and never will be. The point of the church is not to fight for equal rights or to handle social issues. But Christians from all over the world feel called to do these things in the world, to do these different types of ministries. As I just said, your vocation is a calling. God gives everyone different gifts. He gives the gift of administration, the gift of hospitality, the gift of prayer, the gift of generosity. And sometimes the gift of administration can be Pastor Randy working here at Harvest Church, or it can be the CEO of a company. But it's all different, but it's it's all ministry. It's all gifts of God. Some people want to use uh, their thing to say that this is what the church ought to be doing, but that's not true. Verse 14 says, "'We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes.'" When a person is passionate about something, they can make it sound good. They can make it sound like, hey, Christians, church, this is what we all ought to be doing. I believe if Jesus were here, he would... Jesus really didn't get involved too much with the politics of his day. And he was uh, born into an oppressive Roman regime. He Sure, he, he, his, his message brought him against the Romans, but again, his primary reason for coming was to preach the good news to the poor, that the kingdom of God is at hand. He fed the people, he healed the sick, he, he gave sight to the body, he did all of these things, but again, his primary mission was to build his church. It's, always, it's interesting to me because if you actually read the book of Acts, you'll see that James and John were going to the temple and there was a beggar there. And it says that the beggar had been set out at, at the temple entrance for something from thir, for 30 to 40 years he had been there. Therefore, if you do the math, you can logically conclude that if he was truly there every day, that Jesus walked past this guy and didn't heal him at all. Well, why not? I I can't answer that question why, but my point is, again, I'm trying to really labor this point that Jesus had a specific mission, and he was here to carry out that mission, and we all have different gifts and different things that we're supposed to do, and we are all supposed to carry out those things. We shouldn't fight amongst each other. We shouldn't be carried around by every wind of doctrine and and be convinced by human cunning. Rather— what we ought to do, it says in verse 15, is we ought to speak the truth in love to one another. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body, ministry, non-ministry, secular, joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped. And when this works properly, Paul says, it makes the body grow and build itself up in love. It really breaks my heart when I see people on uh, social media, when I see Christians on social media or in person fighting with other Christians. Fighting because they didn't say the right thing at this when, when something happened. Uh, they didn't, uh, you know, come out on the right side of the issue. We all have different temperaments. We all have different proclivities and things that we're drawn to and things that we're passionate about. Clinical psychologist, Dr. Jordan Peterson, actually has suggested that there are studies that show that politically, some of our political bents might be biologically based. So there there are lots of factors as to why somebody comes down on the side of an issue the way that they do. But it's our goal, as we said at the beginning of the chapter, to bear with one another with humility, with patience, with love, with understanding. Verse 15 says, speaking the truth of love. And let me just say about that. We love to just tell the truth. We love to go in and just drop the bomb. Well I, well, I just got to let you know what you look like, how you sound. How, well, I just got to tell you the truth. The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. We're supposed to bear with one another with all humility and gentleness. For Christians to be yelling at each other about how they ought to be and what they ought to think and how they ought to talk, that is not unity. That's disunity. And when we do this in public, when we do this in people, when we do this on social media, the world is watching. What happens if we fail in unity in 2021 and moving forward? Three things happen. we hurt our witness John thirteen35 Jesus said, The world will know that you are my disciples by the fact that you support Black Lives Matter. The world will know that you are my disciples if you are fiscally uh, conservative in your your bent in what the government should do. The, the, the world will know you're my disciples if You love and accept everyone without question or without any condition No, he said the world will know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another There's a story of two servants in the book of matthew And we know the story that one of them went to their boss and was forgiven of a great debt that he couldn't pay And then when he was forgiven, he went to his fellow servant and grabbed him by the throat and threw him in jail and said Pay me what you owe me, which was a really small sum of money And if you read the story, you'll actually see that it says that his fellow servants saw this and became dismayed We ruin our witness to the world. We ruin our witness to our fellow Christians Paul talks in Corinthians about the fact that there were lawsuits among believers And that they were bringing them to the Gentiles. And Paul says, I say this to shame you You're taking your fight before people who aren't even part of the body of Christ. And then he says something really controversial. He says this, why not rather be cheated? Why not rather be wronged? Oh, my gosh. Markel, are you saying that we should just let people abuse us and take advantage of us? That's not what I'm saying. There obviously is a line to to how much you should—I'm not saying you should—well, you know, the Bible does say that they love their lives not unto death, so— I don't, I, should, should you let him kill you? I don't, that's not really what I'm saying. My point is is that these disagreements that we have, we're not supposed to have them in front of the world. This destroys our unity. This destroys our witness. The other thing that we hurt if we fail in unity is we hurt our worship. Matthew, 20, Matthew 5, 23, and 24 says that if you're at the altar— and you remember something that you have against your brother. It says, first leave your gift at the altar and go first be reconciled unto your brother and then come back. Another way it says it somewhere is that if you remember that you have anything against anyone, anything, what does that cover? Anything against anyone, who who does that involve? Anyone, your mom, your dad, your sisters, your cousins, your brothers, your children, your friends, your boss, your co-workers. We in the church are in so much danger of that. We think that there's, there's something to just stuffing it down or, or getting over it without really kind of dealing with the, with, with the disunity or the issues that we may have with one another. And that hurts our worship. God is not interested in worship while we have these issues going on with our brother. And not only does it hurt our witness and our worship, we hurt our own well-being. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, and I inserted in here, from you. Paul is talking about receiving the grace of God from you. Not necessarily from God, but the grace of God from you. Why? That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it, many become defiled. So we heard our witness, we heard our worship, we heard our well-being. There is nothing so bitter as being bitter. It springs up from inside of us. Rather than having a root of bitterness spring up, we should want the wellspring of water from the Holy Spirit to spring up. But that root of bitterness can take hold, and it can shape, and you wonder why you feel a certain way or why everything sets you off. Or you read something in it, you get—what's the word they say? You get triggered by everything nowadays. That's because there's bitterness inside of you that we need to get rid of. It's taken hold, and we need to work on that. We need to make sure that people don't fail to obtain the grace of God from us. It's because we're not dealing with them with humility— and patience, and understanding, and love, and we get so stuck in our ways, and we get stuck in the way that we see things, and the things that we think are important, and we're so quick to cut people off. I have a cousin who uh, on Facebook the other day, she posted, my friend's list is getting smaller and smaller, like that's a good thing or something, but that's how we can be. We're so quick to to just cut people off. Well, we were cool, but we ain't cool now. You know, the Bible says to, as far as it be for you, live at peace with everyone. Well, I mean, we can be peaceful, you be over there and I'll be over here. I don't know if that's what the Bible is calling for for us. We shouldn't be so quick. We, uh, I'll stop because I have a little bit more to say. We'll just keep going. I hope you hear my heart in this though. If we're, we're supposed to—we we can all think of somebody who did something to us where we felt slighted, and we, we, we shove it to the side or we try to act like it's not a big—the Christian thing to do is just get over it. The Christian thing to do is to go and confront it. Go to your brother. Let me continue on in verse 17. Paul says, I say this and I testify on the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do." We're all Gentiles because we're not Jewish, but so I'll change that word to say, as the unbelievers do, in the futility of their minds, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They've become callous. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that because of lawlessness, the love of many will run cold. And I know that a lot of people in our nation today feel like there's been so much lawlessness. They, say, they feel that, that the government is out of control with what happened at the Capitol or, or how the election may have went. And they feel like that uh, the authority figures with the unarmed black people who have been killed, they just feel like there's so much lawlessness going on. And that has caused our love to run cold. But we're not to walk in that anymore. We're not to walk as the unbelievers or Gentiles do. Verse 20 says that this is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ, what are we supposed to do? Put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. We're supposed to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself daily, take up his cross. Instead of trying so hard to be right, we should try harder to be right. Instead of insisting on our own way, we ought to consider others greater than ourselves. Put on that new nature, and that's hard. That's something that we just, can we admit that that's not always easy to do? Thank God that there is grace to help us with that, but it is something that we need. I used to tell my worship team that the Christian life cannot be on autopilot. It's not something that you can just kind of pick up and dust off when you need it. If we are truly going to be new creations, if we're truly going to be unified in the Holy Spirit, it's something that we need to be actively a part of. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor— but why? Because we are members of one another. So many people are angry today at what they see in the world, at what they see in their Facebook feeds, and what they see in the news. And when they see things that, that, that set them off, they want to go and attack it. But the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Let the, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. The devil will love nothing more than for us to be fractured and unified and quarantined in our own little camps. Give no opportunity to the devil. Verse 29, he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that again it may give grace to those who hear, dealing with people with humility, with patience, with love, with understanding. I don't know about you, but I've never been screamed into submission. I've never been yelled into compliance. I've never been berated into seeing someone else's point of view. If you think that when you're yelling at somebody in person or online, that they're suddenly going to go, I didn't know it until you got a little bit louder, then it finally clicked. (laughs) You know, when you were writing in small caps, I didn't get it. But when you did it in all caps, then it hit me. No one has ever been—the Bible says that the—how that the, uh, does it put it? The, uh, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That is not the way we reach our brothers and sisters. That is not the way that we, we, we unify as a body by insisting everybody see it the way that we do. Where do we need to start? A lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people have been hurt by the virus. A lot of people have been hurt by people's re- reaction to the virus— A lot of people have been hurt by the policies and the politics. A lot of people have been hurt by other people's reactions to the policies and politics. A lot of people have been hurt. And and aside from all of that, aside from 2020, aside from all of that, it is in our own lives. We have been hurt by people who we call brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe they did something they shouldn't do. Maybe it was our own issue. Maybe it was something that we misunderstood. But we're, we're not we hold uh, unforgiveness and bitterness in our heart. If we're gonna be one in 2021, I I wish I had so much more time. I wish I had like four or five weeks to like really dive into this with you. But at the end of chapter four here, the place that we need to start is we need to start with forgiveness. Verse 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, that Holy Spirit of unity. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, we talked about that, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from among you along with all malice. What am I supposed to do? That's what you're supposed to do. What does it mean to put off the old self as he said earlier? That's what it means. Let all that be put away from you. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander and malice. Boy, I wish I could break those down for you. And then, but what are we supposed to do instead? What is the new nature that we're supposed to put on? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Dealing with each other with patience, understanding, humility, and love. How did God forgive us? He forgave us in Christ. And he forgave us in three ways. He forgave us completely. That means no matter what we did, no matter how bad it was, no matter if we stole gum from the corner store or we killed somebody, he forgives it. He he forgives us unilaterally, and he forgives us instantly. Nobody's gone to God and said, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. He goes, well, I don't know. That's not how God and Christ forgave us. So if we're going to be one in 2021, that's those are our action steps this morning. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now that's your responsibility. Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book called Boundaries. And Boundaries is not about in the book if you read it, it's not about getting other people to do what you want them to do. You can't control anybody but yourself. It's not about getting other people to do what you want them to do to get them to talk to you the way you want them to talk to you, to get them to think the way you want them to think. Boundaries has to do with what you will and will not take on. Will you put on the old nature when you see something you don't like, when you hear something you don't like? Will you let a root of bitterness take hold inside of you? Will you be angry and lash out in wrath and just speak the truth? Or will you be tender-hearted? Will you be humble? Will you be understanding with your brother? Will you forgive your brother if you have been hurt? It says in the book of Proverbs that good sense or experience makes a person slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Jesus said to turn the other cheek. There are lots of things that we can do to be one in 2021, but I think to get off on a good foot, to get off on the right foot, we should start with forgiveness. Can I have Brother Musician come up this morning? Amen. As we keep going into 2021, and as we're sitting here on Martin Luther King weekend, thinking about what he gave his life for, he said that we've been able to fly in the sky like birds. We've been able to swim into the depths of the ocean like fish, but we have not learned yet how to walk the earth as brothers and sisters. And this is more important for us as Christians because of what's at stake. A lot of people are not very happy with the church. They think that the church is on the wrong side of many of the issues. And for and even though we know that there can be great people on both sides of the aisle who are Christians, We all know that the world just kind of lumps us all together as one thing. And then when they see us fighting, and when they see us backbiting each other, it ruins our witness to them. So my call to you today is to examine yourself. If unity is something that you really want in the body of Christ, and with your fellow brothers and sisters, I would ask that you would think of something that you probably need to let go of. Think of a way that you can be softened in your disposition. Is there anybody who you have anything against? I encourage you to go to that brother or sister today and make it right and to reconcile. If we get this unity thing right, there's nothing that we can't accomplish in 2021. If we're unified in the spirit, if we're of one mind and one accord, those who are in the upper room, the Bible says they were of one mind and one accord, and the Holy Spirit came, and they turned their world upside down for the cause of Christ. And again, that's the mission of the church, not necessarily for social reform, but for a reform of the heart, to bring in the kingdom of God. So this morning, I just want you to sit back for a moment and just think, just reflect on if there is any bitterness or if there is any anger or mal- malice or clamor, or if you can identify a place or a time in your heart when you have been short, when you haven't dealt with people with humility, when you haven't dealt with people with patience. And praise God that God is just and faithful to forgive us of that sin that causes disunity and cleanse us from that unrighteousness. So I first want to start off with a prayer. Of repentance for for these attitudes, for these things that we hold. And as you think about it, as you think about it, I want you to join in with me, and ask God for help in this matter. Dear Lord, we come before you today, God, pierced by the the sharp word of your sharp sword of your word, and ask God that you would search our hearts. God, it's easy for us to fool ourselves sometimes to think that we're okay and that we've got it all under control. But we know, God, that we're frail and we're human and that we need your help in this matter. Pastor Perry mentioned that that you want us to be one so that the world might know that you were sent, Jesus, and that you are with us and that you love us. That we might have credibility in the world today when everybody else is divided, left or right or progressive or conservative. God, let us all be one. And if we have anything against somebody, if there are people, other fellow Christians who we need to reconcile with God, we repent and we're sorry for holding that, for not handling it the way that you wanted us to handle it, for not dealing with our brother with patience, humility, understanding, and love. We're sorry, God. We ask God that you would cleanse us. Help us. God, we did learn of you. Help us to put off that old nature and help us to put on the new nature of Christ with tenderheartedness, with understanding with patience forgiving people god help us to let go and release those things that we're holding help us to be unified to be able to walk shoulder to shoulder as one body in one accord with one mission jesus said you you said you would build your church with one mission to glorify the name of jesus in the earth and to point people to you Help us in that, Jesus, we pray. And if you're watching this morning and you don't even know who this Jesus is, you don't, know, you don't have this Holy Spirit that, bonds, that binds us together in unity, then I want to invite you to receive the Lord today and join this body of believers. We're imperfect. We're an imperfect body of believers. We all have to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. But if the body is done right as it says It builds us up in love, and that's what the world needs today, more love and more unity. And so if you want to receive Christ this morning, I say, just bow your heads with me and and pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I need you today. I need you. I've been on the outside, and I want to come in to your fold. I want to join your body. I want you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and save me. Help me, Lord, to be unified with this great body of believers that you have assembled. Help me to put away my old nature and put on the new nature, which is found in you. Lord Jesus, I believe on you now and I receive you as my savior and as my Lord. And I pray all of this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Harvest Church, we need to be unified together in 2021. Go with me. Go with us as harvest. And let's do this and proclaim the name of Jesus in our world today. Thank you so much for your time and for for listening to me. I don't take it lightly, and I pray that you will be blessed as you go throughout your week. Remember to give online if you haven't, and to stay tuned for more wonderful words from our senior pastor, Pastor Perry, as he resumes next week. God bless you so much today. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's Sermon Podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.